It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement on a Thursday afternoon ahead of Easter weekend. The Masters has already begun, though I have no idea what the scoreboard or the leaderboard looks like with that. Though I always do like watching the Masters. Uh, This is not a golf podcast, though. This is an Illini sports podcast. And in debating what to start with, basketball is the news of the day and of the next few weeks, at least, with the transfer portal. And I wanted to start with that before I go into a completely different conversation about Illinois football, of which I am very excited overall. With Illinois basketball... We could have come on with an an emergency pod when R.J. Melendez transferred out, but to be quite honest, uh, that's not something that I was particularly interested in. If we did a podcast for every time a player leaves, we would be doing a lot of random emergency podcasts that last about 20 minutes in length. What's there to say about R.J. Melendez? He's a talented kid that didn't put it all together this year until the very end when you saw flashes. It's hard to feel this heartbreak with him leaving, but it's still puzzling nonetheless. This kid was someone that Brad Underwood stuck by despite all the struggles and all the missed threes, and now he's transferring out despite the loyalty that Underwood showed to him. So it's difficult to pin this on Brad Underwood, but at the same time, the conversation we've had before on this podcast much to the chagrin of some Illini fans, is there is reason to have, if not a yellow flag, at least a little bit of concern as to the sheer number of Brad Underwood recruits that are transferring out. If we were to go down the list of the last few recruiting classes, the retention rate is very poor, even when you consider the transfer portal is, yes, affecting everybody. Though I think we would agree that sometimes it might be affecting mid-major programs more than high-major programs because mid-major kids are looking to make the jump. Some people would throw to me the Kansas example. I think five players have already announced their intent to transfer from Bill Self in Kansas. But I think Bill Self has a little bit more of a track record, so no one's freaking out over there. And I don't think Illinois fans should be freaking out necessarily either. I don't. But I do think the concern is okay, and maybe concern is warranted. With R.J. Melendez transferring, we could say it's not Brad Underwood's fault, and I think they're on its face that is true. However, you need to ask yourself that even with all the loyalty that Brad Underwood showed to R.J. Melendez, why would he then still want to transfer? One option is that the kid is getting bad advice, and I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to consider. All the handlers of these basketball players, they have their own interest in mind. It could also be that R.J. Melendez is making a bad decision, and we will never know that for sure, but I'm not going to say that's impossible because he's still a young dude. Young people make some silly decisions. But however it is, and whatever the reasons, whatever the circumstances, it's just yet another one that bit the dust. Let's take a quick tally here. This last recruiting class, you've already had Perrin and Jaden Epps, and I feel like there's one more, God, oh, Sky Clark. Three of your six gone. The ones that you've retained are Ty Rogers, Sincere Harris, and, oh, I don't know, is Moretti one of them too? <laughs> it's hard to keep track, though. Basically, 50% of your class is gone just like that. You go to years prior, and I think the stat that Jeremy and, and Derek threw out in theirs is that five of your last 13 high school recruits have actually stuck around. Less than half. And transfer portal or no, it is fair to wonder why. 
especially when you consider that Illinois is more armed with NIL money than many other schools. It's not as if we can't give these guys the money that they deserve or the money that they think they deserve. I think that we probably can. So there are other reasons why. Are they being asked ever so kindly by the coaching staff to take a step out the door or, hey, we can't promise you anything, which is a totally reasonable conversation to have? Maybe so, but uh, I don't know. I I think ultimately my concern level was not raised anymore by RJ leaving, but it's just kind of at a low hum. And this is where the conversation gets so muddled because last week, for anyone that is an Illini Twitter person that gets their news or tidbits or commentary from Alani people on Twitter, it was a crazy week. There was a lot of stupid on Twitter, if we can be honest, last week, whether it be the one random professor in Canada that wrote the letter to the University of Illinois saying that Brad Underwood should be reprimanded for his behavior. And listen, I, I'm not always a big fan of the yelling and shouting, but I think it was kind of silly. Not necessarily something that needs to be written. But then... There was the Jaden Epps thing, and I think that one was something that cut deeper than RJ because it was the first big name this year to go, if you don't count Sky Clark. And my big takeaway, just like I said a few minutes ago, is that it's okay to be concerned or okay to raise concerns. On the other hand, I'm holding the truth that Brad Underwood may very well be very, very successful long-term here because he already got us out of the dumpster, has won a Big Ten tournament title, and a Big Ten regular season title. And with NIL, I think he can excel. I really do. And yet, even despite saying this time and time again, you continue to get the occasional knucklehead on Twitter that just says, what? You don't know what what the hell they're saying. Case in point, there's someone that I've known for 10 plus years. They were a client back at 93.5, plenty of friendly conversations. And if I see him again, it's going to be a friendly conversation as well. But this just goes to show the kind of discourse that happens on Twitter. Just by broaching this subject, a reply that I got from this person said, well, go root for Northwestern. And I had a really weird time trying to reconcile this person that I know sending me the Twitter equivalent of what I'd get from like a Jim 89679 or, you know, someone with a nondescript first name and 12 random digits after that for their username. I couldn't differentiate his response to one of a stranger. It's a little unnerving, to be honest, when these people that you know, and this is this has happened a few times this year, people that I've known, acquaintances, whatever it may be, former business associates or something, clients, that they get really, really pissy on Twitter and really sharp and really like grr, claws out. I sent this person a private message and just said, Basically, what was that about? (laughs) Like the equivalent of like raising my arms like, huh? And I said, don't be putting that garbage on my timeline. And like, I know you. What is is this discourse? And the person just responded by saying, uh, well, don't be putting garbage on your timeline then. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Nice discourse. There was so much of that stupid discourse last week on Twitter that I kind of logged off and didn't say much of anything. Even when RJ transferred, what's there to say? It's another one. It's another guy that's gone. This is what's going to happen every year, probably. And I think this leads to my big point, whether it's RJ or Jaden Epps. I'm not going to comment right now about who Illinois may or may not get, because chances are they will get talented dudes, and then we'll be next year having the conversation. Will Brad Underwood be able to get all these pieces to work together? That's pretty predictable. And that might be the case year in, year out. 
But the point is this. Our fandom, our college basketball fandom, has drastically changed, and it's not going back. And if Illinois one day ever reaches that pinnacle, it'll mean everything, but it won't mean as much as it would have in years past. Point to that is we are not going to get to know the players as much. It's not going to feel like the old days. And for a 36-year-old, I'm starting to get to that age where I have an old days back in the day when Lon Kruger was the coach or Bill Self. I'm starting to have those a little bit more, right? Um, I, I don't think that's ever coming back. And that is a shame. I acknowledge and am glad that players are able to make money because they should for what they do and the money they raise for the universities. But that doesn't mean that I like every part of it. And one part I really don't like is that the emotional component, the getting to know these guys, that's all but evaporated. It's why a Ty Rogers, if he's part of a lot of success here in the next three years and he stays, will be a freaking hero. I think we're going to have to hold on to those individuals more so than the team concept. It sounds a little wishy-washy. It sounds a little pie in the sky, but I wonder if a lot of this animosity that we're seeing on Twitter amongst Illini fans between each other is because we're all coming to grips with this. And that if we're critical of one thing um, or critical of another, it's it, it just no one wants to be reminded when things aren't great or when things don't feel good. And we would be lying to ourselves if we were to say the last two months of Illinois basketball have felt good. They haven't. And that's not to say they can't feel good again, but there are questions. If you can't acknowledge that there's questions, I don't know if we're at a baseline here where we can have a discussion, right? To say that there are no questions or no concerns about Brad Underwood, um, however mild they may be, would be silly. Because I remember when Bill Self was here and sometimes people tired of the high-low offense and thought that it was just too static or too predictable. It doesn't matter how successful a coach is, it's okay to have questions regardless, but in this case, there are other factors at play that I think are kind of tainting our enjoyment of it. Certainly mine. And that's going to be a process. And that's okay. You know, sports change, college sports change, and sometimes for the better. But even with those positive changes, like players being able to profit off their own names, there are negative consequences. So, RJ, we hardly knew you. Good luck to you. Not losing sleep over it. It's whatever. Bye. Excited about some of the names in the portal, but we'll have that conversation for another day. But there will probably probably be plenty of spots to fill the way this thing's going. Uh, this from Anthony, real quick. Want a signed jersey from RJ at the Illini Guardians event in Chicago? Whoops. Last point to this, Anthony. I, and you won that in an auction. So, uh, hey, that's or an event, maybe not an auction, but you won that. You didn't go to the store and buy it. I'm not buying a current player jersey. There is no point in doing so. I can't trust anyone to stick. I remember I was this close after the game Illinois won at Wisconsin back in late January, right? Brian Hansen and I did the podcast down here. So much fun. Swept Wisconsin. Feeling good. We're getting our mojo back. I went to game day and was this close to getting an orange flying Illini retro throwback, Jaden Epps. Glad I did not. All right, before I get too far ahead of myself, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So go online to dpdoe.com and get a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. That is dpdoe.com. 
Com. Also, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy and can be your guy as well. It was Brian's birthday earlier this week. Saw him at the store, wish him a happy birthday, and we'll be excited to get him back on the podcast when we get into football season for some of those away games. Loved potting with him. Great guy, great insurance agent, and our personal insurance agent as well, brianismyguy.com. And speaking of our thing, our personal thing, our personal HVAC people, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, we're going to schedule a AC tune-up, which was part of a deal that we had with them back in the fall. And I will say that our furnace hummed, purred like a kitten, hummed, kittens don't hum, purred like a kitten all winter long. And uh, our AC, which we had to kick on briefly, a couple days ago, just for just get a little cool air shot on the 80 degree day. Oh boy, it's working good, but it's also going to be peace of mind to know that these guys are going to come and make sure that for a presumably really hot summer, it's tip top shape. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217 841 4728. Also, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate those guys for being part of their network. Also, they have I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess. And the Champagne is also a band a music podcast, which I need to hop on. I need to contact Sven and try to get on that later this year. We got an album coming out and a single, which you hear at the start of every 200 level. That's the single, the instrumental part of it. All right. Today, I wanted to focus in on football. And I got to give Derek and Joey, sorry, Jeremy and Joey credit because Derek does the basketball stuff. Jeremy and Joey Wagner have had a couple of Illini Spring Football podcasts, and I texted Jeremy this yesterday. Dude, I, I was already drinking the football Kool-Aid, and then after listening to you guys, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. And he texted back that, yeah, you know, there's there are reasons to be excited. And I think what Jeremy and I both agree about, and, and I think anyone covering the team much closer than I am, you should feel good about this coaching staff. I think the baseline, the floor, if you will, is so much higher with this staff in place. And yeah, you know, the end of last season was disheartening, losing four or five. But if you look back, it wasn't ineptitude. It wasn't bad game plans per se. It was There was some bad luck and running out of gas, whatever you want to say. Uh, that wild ride to seven and one, though, I'm really focusing on that and thinking the positives from last season are so far outweigh the negatives and and there's a lot of staying power in how they won, the style in which they win. So with that in mind, wanted to focus on football today and here's the question that I threw out on Twitter and I got a bunch of responses to go through and we'll kind of use this as a a starting point for conversation. In the Thursday mailbag, as we call it, in year three for Bielema, what would you consider a successful season? And for those that are, the few of you that are watching there in the chat feed, you can throw something out as well. Going to start with a Nothing But Pain podcast, a competitor. What the heck? Nothing But Pain podcast, and they are on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Excellent, guys. I like the logo. They got the flying Illini um, lettering going on. All right, they said, I think 6-6 six and six and a bowl win would be a successful year. Anything more than that would be gravy. Now, to start, a lot of these comments seem to fall on the baseline of bowl or bust. And I would agree that anything less than a bowl would be disheartening, to say the least. It would feel as if in so many years past with Illinois football and why we're all kind of holding our breath, the year after a successful year is usually a disappointing year. After 1999 and the Micron PC, 
five and six. The home loss to Michigan, Kurt Kittner getting leveled by Mike Doss in the last home game of the year. Yep, five and six. 2001, Sugar Bowl. 2002, five and seven, including a home loss to number one Ohio State. And then you go forward to 2008, the Rose Bowl. And in 2000, or 2007, Rose Bowl year with the 2008, January 1st, 2008, the game itself. But the 2008 season, five and seven major disappointment and you lost all momentum. So the the point of that is we are a little bit weary of all this. I mean, God, even when you made a bowl game two consecutive years in a row with Ron Zook at the end of it, the second one, you went six and zero, and then you lost your last six. So it might as well have been a losing season. You never were able to maintain momentum or build on it for that matter. So I would agree. And I think we would all agree to get this out of the way. It's bowler bust. Now, before I get to other comments, let's look at the schedule here. You got Toledo, Kansas, and Florida Atlantic. The Owls, hopefully the Owl comes. I want to meet the Owl. Big fan of the Owl after the NCAA tournament. Toledo is a very good MAC team. Western Michigan from 2017, good? Probably not. But good nonetheless. That is your first game, though. You should win. I'm just, I'm not going, we will have a completely different conversation, as we should, if you lose to Toledo. But that's 1-0, and and then you're at Kansas, to me, which is a swing game. A Kansas team that will be solid. Leipold, great coach. And let's just say uh, between Toledo at Kansas, Penn State, a home opener, and then Florida Atlantic, I think even at 2-2, two and two, you got a shot. But 3-1, and one, you were in fantastic shape, and that would afford you either a loss to Kansas or Penn State. I do like playing Penn State that early in the year. If I recall, they have a new quarterback, whose name escapes me, so I think they're going to be making some adjustments on their own. I don't know how good they're projected to be. You can win that game. Hell, you won two years ago at Penn State. Here's the next four for breaking it into four-game increments. At Purdue, Nebraska at home, at Maryland, Wisconsin at home. Purdue should be bad. I know there's the extra juice in that game, but Purdue should be bad this year. You need to win that game. Nebraska at home, they should be bad this year. This year. We'll see how quickly Matt Rule gets it going. Those should be two wins. At Maryland, it intrigues me, and then Wisconsin at home. I'm sorry, but I think you got to go three and one. But even if we're being a little bit generous and we we put an extra loss in there, I think at this point of the season, we could still say four and four, and this leaves you with the final four. At Minnesota... New quarterback? I don't know. I don't. That game doesn't scare me a whole lot. Indiana at home, at Iowa, Northwestern at home. All that to say that if you go two and two in that four game stretch again, you're sitting there at six and six. So to circle back to this tweet here from Nothing But Pain podcast, six and six, even factoring in some bummer losses, it's right there. It's right there. I think you do better than that, but we'll get to that. Matthew Bryant says, win the bowl game. I know it depends on matchups, but winning a bowl game is a major stepping stone and a good vibe for the following year. I expect a bowl game with the schedule and roster, and I do too. I think we should, Matthew, expect that. Winning the bowl game, there is something to be said for that. Um, I think winning ReliaQuest would have been an extra little shot in the arm. I am finding myself getting back to a place of being just as excited, uh, even though they lost that game. 
And I think the big reason why is that Aaron Henry, I think that day proved himself as someone that can run a defense and, and have a really good game plan depending on your opponent. And that you are returning so much of the the team that you should be really excited despite what happened in the bowl game. But Matthew, there is something to be said about, you know, the taste in your mouth for an entire offseason, and it sometimes is dictated by how the bowl game goes. The Rose Bowl year, I don't know if it took a whole lot of wind out of the sails. We all expected that USC would beat us. I think that was one of those happy-to-be-there moments. But if you're in a bowl game where you should win or you belong, let's say, and you lose in disappointing fashion, it is a bit of a buzzkill. It just kind of ends the season with a whimper. So I, I I'll go with you on the idea of winning the bowl game does add some good vibes. And had they won the Rely Quest game and they ended nine and four instead of eight and five, yeah, I got a little extra juice even going into spring football. All right, this is from Ben. Despite last year's strong performance, success for this program is still just making a bowl game for now. This program has been unable to find consistency for decades, and sustained relevance year after year in the top third of the conference can only be built upon six win years. Fair. You mentioned the top third of the conference. We got, what, 14 teams now, soon to be 16. Can you find your way to the top five or six every year? That would require jumping or leapfrogging in Wisconsin or in Iowa consistently. Luke Fickle's a good coach, but I'll still take Brett Bielema because Luke Fickle hasn't done it in the Big Ten yet. The one year he did at Ohio State is a much younger coach. They went 6-6. Six and six. And then looking at Iowa, I got to see an offense not completely suck to say that they aren't trending downward. Now, for them, they're trending from a pretty high place. And I expect a bit of a rebound for them. They still finished what? Did they finish 8-5? and five? I bet they did. And it just it's maddening, right? But I do think that it's we saw it last year. It's right there for you. These are the teams you're competing against for cracking that top six, top five in the Big Ten. From Jackson, seven, eight wins again would be good if they improve off. Oh, sorry. There was a period there. Seven or eight wins would be good. If they improve offensively, this could be a 9-3 and three team. Coach Henry's defense should be very strong again. This is a very good football team. I think Wisconsin will be the Illini's biggest competitor in the West. I do think Illinois gets eight or nine wins. Jackson, I'm pretty much with you on all counts. Seven, eight wins, I'd, you say good. I would be very happy with either. Seven and five or eight and four, I'm happy. I, I don't need them to deliver me the moon this year. I, I will take just solid or good. But you hit it here. If they improve offensively, this could be a nine and three team. This is where Jeremy and Joey's podcast gets me pumped because they see the secondary, and while you are losing a top 10 pick in Devin Witherspoon and a top thir- or three round guy in Sidney Brown and Quan Martin, that's a lot. But there's talent back there, and Aaron Henry, I think, is a dude of a coach. I'm really buying stock in Aaron Henry. And Finellis, your, your younger D-backs coach now, offensively, that's the story, and Jackson hit on it. If they improve offensively, and I think they actually can in terms of certainly passing game, no offense to DeVito, but I think you were really hamstrung by the lack of going downfield late in the season. And just another year in the system, I'm banking on that a little bit more. The continuity of the offensive line, you have some playmakers, a wide receiver, and hopefully some new ones as well. They just need to be a fine offense, just fine. And they were, when they were 7-1, and one, that offense was fine. 
they were just fine. They left a lot of points on the table in those first eight games, and they still found their way to a 7-1 record. The defense doesn't need to be as good as last year. The offense can offset the losses on defense by just being a little bit better themselves. It's the synergistic thing with football. You don't need... We had the number one scoring defense in the nation last year. At the end of the season, that wasn't enough to get you to nine or ten wins because the offense kept putting them in bad positions and couldn't score damn touchdowns. So... Those go hand-in-hand, hand, Jackson, and I agree with you that this could be a 9-3 and three team if they improve offensively. I do think the schedule, we don't know a lot about it yet, but how much faith do you have in a lot of your opponents to rebound themselves? You are starting at a higher baseline than a lot of them, and it's not going to be in the Athlon and the Lindy preseason magazines. You're going to be probably picked fourth in the Big Ten West. You aren't going to get the respect. I think that's okay. I think it's good for this team. And all the older dudes that are coming back thinking, where's our respect? They need a chip on their shoulder. I expect that they'll be able to use that all year long. Because when they were 7-1, and one, getting, up to that pro- getting up to that point, they were the underdog. And then you get to 7-1, and one, and it feels really good. And then you get a, 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 a Michigan State team coming into town that's hurting themselves. And what team was more aggressive that day? Michigan State. So... The mental component of this, I think, is important. I think that um, the 9-3 and three that Jackson speaks of is within, within the realm of possibility. Jays, J-A-I-S-E, says, I'd like to see improvement from the offense. I feel like our defense won't be quite as good as last year, albeit still solid. So offense in year two under B, uh, BL, so Lunny, needs to pick up some of the slack. I realize it'll be tough without Tommy and Chase, but you have to find a way. Let's talk about Tommy. Love Tommy. He will always have a place at Memorial Stadium in Lot 31, as will the DeVito family. Great people. And I think that we need to recognize, and this is not kicking a guy in the way out. It's not that at all. But he was a different quarterback late. And whether it was the injury sustained in the Iowa game or the cold weather component, which he said on the record, I don't like cold weather. He was a dome quarterback. When the weather got crappy, starting with that Michigan State game, not cold, but windy. When the weather got crappy, his performance went way down. Now, Luke Altmyer's a Southern guy, but at least he hasn't said anything about bad weather. We'll see if that affects him or not. But what if there is something to that? Chase Brown having shouldered 200-plus carries through the first two-thirds of the season. It gets colder. He doesn't quite have the bounce to a step. Tommy DeVito not performing quite as well. It felt like... That team just, I would buy the narrative that they just kind of got pooped. And if that is me just overlooking more systemic issues with, you know, scheme or, or coaching decisions, that that is a fair criticism to levy at me. But I think that there could be something to be said for that. And because I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, I'm going to go with it until this team, you know, if they start one and three, then all of a sudden, ah, DEFCON one, understandably. But I will go with the notion that Tommy, love him, struggled late because of weather and other circumstances and not being able to be as mobile. Chase, 200-plus carries, though he still had some moments late. The Michigan run to put you up, he was still good in the Michigan game, but you know the last month of the season, he was not as good as the first two. So this is it's the wear and tear of a season and a team feeling the weight of that record, perhaps. Jerry says, bowl game. 
Doesn't seem like a huge thing, but I can't remember Illinois ever bowling two years in a row. Now, someone did correct Jerry about that. But in fairness to Jerry, when we made the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl, it didn't really feel like much of a success at all. Because he started 6-0 and and ended 6-6. Six and six. Might as well have just stayed home. But you did win that bowl game, so you finished 7-6 and six two years in a row. How about that? From Eric. Get back to a bowl. Continue to have one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. Luke Altmaier shows flashes of what he can be with two more years of development. Yeah, um, let's talk about Altmaier. Well, first, the defense. Let's talk about that. You say continue to have one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. I expect they will. There is an old adage, and Jeremy and Joey have hit on it a lot in the last two podcasts, but I, I think it to be true. A secondary's play is elevated by the front seven. If you get a pass rush, the secondary doesn't need to be all that great. Last year's secondary was great. You still had a really good pass rush, but one year older, NFL draft positioning on the line, the need to produce for guys like Newton and Randolph, but then you couple that with the growth of a Gabe Ackes. Seth Coleman back yet another year. Linebackers you can trust like Tariq Barnes. Uh, if Tara Edwards is good in the middle, then all of a sudden you're looking at that front seven and saying, holy crap, go find me a front seven in the Big Ten West that you trust more than that. I don't think you do. And then you hope that all these tools, you can sort of Frankenstein or MacGyver a, a secondary together that's effective. I think you can. So I would agree, Eric, this should be one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. I think they will be again. And this is a Bielema staple. Always has good defenses. Luke Altmaier, let's get to that. Shows flashes. I don't think, like Eric is alluding to here, I don't think Luke needs to be great in year one. I think he just needs to be fine. And really, as good as Tommy was, for the most part, he was just above fine. Uh, the, the best games for Tommy would have been at Wisconsin and Minnesota. His best games, right? Uh, there were no mistakes. Extremely accurate not so much of a deep ball, but just great decision-making, and it was complimentary football considering the run game and the defense. I think Luke Altmaier, he's not going to have the pass efficiency or at least the completion percentage of a Tommy DeVito. That's, that's not going to happen. But I do think there are other things he can bring to the table that will elevate his game, and in different ways, you might say Altmaier was as effective in totality as Tommy DeVito. I don't think that's a crazy thing to think for a four-star kid coming from the SEC to the Big Ten. All right, from Hank. One, red zone offense efficiency. Hank, you win games last year. You go 10-2 and two if you're more efficient in the red zone. You win the Indiana game. We can talk about the officiating, deservedly so. But you win that game if you punch in that goal line touchdown early. Game over. You win it. You didn't. Number two, defense staying in the top 20 with the losses they suffered. I think they can be a top 20 defense. Number one, nah. But you can be a top 20 scoring defense. This is, again, look at Bielema's track record. Year in, year out. In the Big Ten, at Wisconsin, really good defenses. And number three, bigger plays on offense via the pass game. And there you go. Isaiah Williams, your table is set. I thought Isaiah in the bowl game, I was so encouraged, and he would have had the catch of the game if Tommy would have been able to get it in there late that would have set up the game-winning field goal or help you put it away, right? I guess that it was tied at that point, so you would have had to go get the field goal regardless. But that I thought Isaiah was fantastic in the bowl game. He was the MVP on offense, and I expect more of the same. 
I like that they started stretching out the field with him a little bit because he's capable of that. I think Patrick Bryant, with a year under his belt, you should see some improvement from him. And Casey Washington is a guy that's got sure hands. Then, who is the X factor, so to speak? Can Hank Beatty be a slot guy? The Mikey Duda, can we say that because he's a white receiver? I understand. It's it's transparent. Not racism, but yeah, he's a white receiver, just like Mikey Dudek. Great hands, though. They put him back for returns because they trust him. And then you have the guys coming in. So, Elsie, can he make an impact right away? Maybe. I mean, wide receiver is a position where you could see that. If you got game-breaking ability, you can start right away, pretty much. All right, from Elena. Bowl game. Top half finish in the Big Ten. Elena keeping it simple, and I agree with both. Now, top half finish in the Big Ten West, What? who is your competition? Northwestern, no. Terrible. Probably again. Purdue, losing a lot. And I don't buy Ryan Walters, and that might be me personally speaking here, but I don't buy him yet. I got to see it. I know we all got to see it, but uh, <sighs> Jeff Brown's a really good coach. And I'm not buying the boy wonder as a head coach just yet. Okay, Purdue, Northwestern, worse than you. Nebraska, worse than you. So what we're talking about, Elena, is in a 17 Big Ten West, that sets you at worst at four. And I would imagine a lot of these preseason magazines, that's about where they will put you. Behind probably Minnesota third, and then either Iowa or Wisconsin one or two, as we see every year. Well, with Wisconsin, I'm not sold on the notion that you can just become a spread offense air raid kind of thing when for decades you've been something else and do it effectively. To me, this reeks a little bit of Scott Frost getting to Nebraska and saying, uh, let's try this and didn't work. So I think there will be some hiccups at Wisconsin. You play them in the middle of the season. I kind of wish you played them early because I think the earlier, the better they do have talent, but I also think that that's a program. They'll have to figure a few things out. Luke Fickle very well might, but if they come out guns blazing year one, I would be mildly surprised. I think there's a transition thing that has to take place, but a bowl team, they they probably will be, yeah. Iowa, the continuity there. We'll see if McNamara, quarterback, can help them, but they still got Brian Ferentz. What changes can they really make? I don't know. They lose some guys on defense. Minnesota's Minnesota. They're, they'll go 7-5, and five. and kudos to P.J. Fleck for getting them to that level where they just ho-hum go 7-5. and five. But, uh, yeah, I think, Elena, the top half finish in the Big Ten West I think would be above four. Four is right in the middle. So you're saying top three, I'm guessing. And I think that is a fair expectation. Eric says bowl game. A bowl game and bowl win would be off the charts. If that's accomplished, it'd be the best stretch of Illinois football in a long time. It's Illinois football. We just want relevant football and something to look forward to on Saturdays. Bielma gets it. And I've said that many times and agree that I just want relevant football. I'm already craving that, you know, warm September morning with my car is usually packed Friday night so I can wake up, go get my spot first thing. I'm, I'm craving that, Eric. And that is the relevancy that you talk about, how exciting it is to be back at that point. And keep in mind last year, starting one and one with the way you lost to Indiana, for me and a lot of fans, judging by how few people went into the Virginia game, we thought, here we go again. I don't know if I would have the same vitriolic kind of reaction after seeing how last year transpired if they lose, if they lose let's say, at Kansas. I don't, I'm not going to be jumping off the bridge just yet, right? Um, and if they start one and two, it would be disappointing. But 
I would trust that, hey, there's a lot of season left. So the relevancy, I think, will prolong the more successful seasons you can put together. You will be able to ride those waves a little bit easier if you feel like the baseline has been elevated to you are a bull team consistently, right? And Bielema does get it. I agree, Eric. All right, from Kevin. We need to get where we consistently beat the Big Ten West opponents and are at least competitive with the top half of the East. The barely over 500 season is going to be the uh, going to the Pudpacker Bowl. I like that. Isn't where we want to be. Uh, Kevin, I think here's my goal for this year. Not goal, but something I would be totally happy with. Music City. 7-5, 8-4, Music City. I don't need the moon. I'll, I'll take Orlando, and I think someone's going to mention that coming up in a bit. I'll take the Citrus Bowl. You bet. But I'll take the Music City Bowl. I don't necessarily want the pinstripe, but you know what? Beggars can't be choosers, and I do love New York City. Would probably go to that. A bowl is a bowl, and I will be happy with that regardless. But Music City to me, I'm, I'm eyeing Music City because I love Nashville anyways, and thinking, yeah, that, that seems about right for a team that was in a January 1 bowl game. They lost their quarterback in Chase Brown, but they got a good defense. This, this seems very Iowa to me. Hopefully the offense isn't like Iowa's last year, but it seems like that's reasonable. It is within reach to say, yeah, Music City Bowl. It'll be fun as the season progresses to hopefully be on those bowl projection things from the start, right? Whenever they first start coming out. All right, from Illinois Y, or Illinois Psy, maybe, regardless. Eight wins again would be awesome, but back-to-back bowls would be successful. So just keeping the baseline low. Now, this is from Charlie. This is actually really tough because season two set a high bar. Good New Year's Day bowl game in Tampa, realistic shot of the division title. I think the success comes from the little things from week to week. No letdowns, no letting a team like Purdue under our skins. Yeah, and Charlie continues, no killer penalties. Being able to recover when the refs interfere. Just strong football in every game and win every game we should. Let the chips fall where they may. Charlie, to go back to the idea, great comment, by the way. To go back to the idea of games they should win, okay. Games they should win? Toledo. At Kansas, yeah, I think so. Florida Atlantic. At Purdue. Nebraska. Wisconsin. Indiana. Northwestern. If we're talking games you should win, and I'm factoring home games and a road win at Kansas. If we're factoring that in, and a road win at Purdue. Yeah, you win six games at home and two on the road. That's eight. That's should. Is that unreasonable? Are we drinking the Kool-Aid here? Here's the thing. Remove the institutional bias that we have. Remove the long-ago historical trend of being a bust the year after being good. That has nothing to do with this team. They weren't... Well, they were born during the Rose Bowl, but (laughs) they were like babies pretty much during the Rose Bowl, three years old for some of the older ones. And yeah, they don't care about they. To me, it's so much different. The mental component between a fan and a player is so different. If you're a fan that's lived it for decades, you often fall back on either the highest of the highs or the lowest of the lows. You remember those disappointments and they bring that battery acid in your gut kind of feeling. So that's why early on, if they slip in one game, it's going to be, oh no, they're going to go five and seven. And I'm going to try to caution myself to not do that. But Charlie, if we're saying the games they should win, I do think they, you could argue they should win eight. If we're just doing a quick glance at the schedule, so much more to learn about these uh, teams that you're going to play, right? 
But winning eight, I think they should. Seven home games, win six of them. I'll give you the Penn State loss. I think you can beat Penn State. Duh. You already have. Um, Yeah, what the hell? You should win eight. Anthony says, a better bowl game. Tampa was fun, but let's go to Orlando or Pasadena. Anthony, shoot, aiming high here. I love it. Let's see, what else? <laughs> Jalen Glows. Hello there, Jalen Glows. Eight plus wins would be wonderful. Six plus I could understand. Success is not a straight line. If we don't go bowling, I'd be a bit disappointed. Uh, Jalen Glows, I agree and glad you said that success is not a straight line. I want to try to view this thing like I would a media guide 20 years later and say, oh, okay, well, eight wins. Oh, and they went seven and six there. Okay, well, you know, things that we could understand in the full context of it. But in the moment, we're emotional and we feel it and we don't want to have a disappointing or subpar year. But six wins is still a bowl game. In the media guides, you're starting to string them together, right? You're starting to build continuity with the players. However, the one thing to that point, Jalen Gallows, you will be losing a lot of studs this year. And I don't know what the schedule looks like next year yet, and so many things can change, and I trust Bielema to build things up pretty quick and not have a major drop-off. But there is an opportunity with all these older guys that are coming back and the younger pieces developing that, yeah. Um, While success is not a straight line, I think there is more opportunity here than than you would think when you remove Chase Brown and Tommy DeVito from the equation. And not to lose this here, but Brad says on the chat feed, worried this team is going to have a hard time getting a first down without Chase Brown. Valid. You know, we're, we're assuming that, and I am at least, that Bielema has had so much success with running backs that he'll just do it again and figure it out. You will not have a Doak Walk Award winner or finalist. You will not have a guy that has the most yardage in, in the nation, but by committee, has worked with Bielema before, and if he's not going to go out and get a running back, I'm going to trust that he thinks they have enough. Brian says, Natty or bust. Dig it. Um, I, <laughs> I think men's golf, I, they'll get a natty first, and they're having a good start to the year, I think. Just to be in the conversation, a Big Ten championship game, I'll, t- I'll take that for now. I, the thing is, I don't, need, I don't need Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia levels of football success. I'd be over the moon if they ever got there, but I don't need it. And it's, it's re- relieving. I'm in Tampa loving the, the experience of seeing an eight and four team playing a January 2nd bowl game. That was enough for me. Uh, of course I want more, but I don't need it. I think if you have successful seasons, of course you keep raising the bar as you should, but um, I get it, Brian. I don't need a natty though. I don't. I'll take an appearance in Indy and I, I would love to go to Indy this year and it's possible in this Big Ten West. It is. There's work to be done at Iowa would be at Iowa and Minnesota would be crucial games. And winning the games that you need to, but it's it's possible. All right. A couple more. Greg says bowl game national championship. So you and Brian are in agreement. Uh finally, Nathaniel says another bowl game lost a lot, so six and six would be acceptable. I think the word acceptable is well, acceptable, for lack of a better term. And I would not be angry with that. It all depends on how it plays out. But I think back to the point that Charlie made earlier, a lot of it is cleaning up the things that did get frustrating this year. Stagnant offense. Okay, we need more continuity and more first downs consistently from them. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. And don't let officiating get in the way. Because if we were to look at these games, right, the Purdue game, the officiating was frustrating. However, you didn't show up to play like you should have. that, That game... More than Michigan State, which is just kind of weird on that windy, fluky day, things happen. But you 
you were not setting yourself up for success in that Purdue game before those things happened. The Indiana game, you had plenty of opportunities. Indiana stunk. You got to win that game. I know they took over, or took away a touchdown. That's that's rough for any team, but you still should have beat them, darn it. And then the Michigan game, yep, it sucked. It sucked. I was it. It bothered me. It did in a way that losses had not. Not in an angry, but just I was. I was sad. I was a sad panda. It, you still could have gotten a first down or two and ended it. Control the controllables. You can't control officiating. And I hope that with another year under their belts, this team will do that. There's plenty of veteran leadership on this team to be able to do so. Hey, mailbag, thank you guys. Uh, you gave me some good fodder and things to play off of, and I, I love the listeners. I love the Twitter replies. Not all of them, uh, you know, listen, I, I often mute the ones that are just silly and don't add anything. Oh, another good one. Brad, thank you for bringing this up. Special teams, terrible last year. They need a new punter. Well, they got one if, if they need it, and they got kickers, it sounds like. I, and I did really like how Caleb was kicking at the end of the year. I know he missed one in the bowl game, but it's not like it was a short kick. And then he made a long one, too. So you can live with that. And then the new kicker, Olano, it'll be interesting to see because I think both can kick. And I remember the Pete Christofalakis, John Gockman year. It worked. Kicking by committee. If you got two good kickers, uh, they might be good at different things. So I think the kicking game will be all right. I think you will actually be able to kick it out of the end zone so you eliminate returns. That helps. And then punting. Yes, you got to figure that out. And they got a scholarship punter now, so we shall see. But thank you guys. Uh, YouTube feed for tuning in at a random time on a Thursday. And Twitter friends, I appreciate it. Uh, DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life Auto Home Business Renters, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call of the day at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them. Appreciate you again. And if you haven't already, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us move up the charts, so to speak. Enjoy your Easter weekend if you celebrate, or just enjoy a weekend in general. And the weather, oh boy, 80s and sunny next week. We're getting there. I'm going to mow the yard this weekend. I am just giddy at the thought of baseball stripes on my yard again. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.